Hi, I'm Carrie Glassman, founder of Nutritious Life and the Nutritious Life Studio and the host of this podcast, Living a Nutritious Life. Are you the friend who's always being asked for health advice? Now imagine turning that passion into a fulfilling career with our Become a Nutrition Coach program. Step into a world where your enthusiasm for wellness becomes the heart of your own thriving business. With me as your professor and guide and coach on our user-friendly digital platform, you can learn from anywhere at your very own pace. It's perfect for your busy life. Envision empowering others to live their healthiest lives all while growing a career you love. You're not just gaining a certification here, you're joining a community of like-minded professionals ready to support and celebrate with you every step of the way. So what are you waiting for? It's time to nourish your future and help change lives, including your own. Head over to nutritiouslife.com forward slash BNC for a free class and a sneak peek of the program. Your journey to becoming a nutrition coach begins now. Welcome back to another episode of Living a Nutritious Life. I'm your host, Carrie Glassman, and today we have a goodie lined up for you. I'm joined by the one and only Dr. Stephen Gundry, and we'll be chatting all about gut health and specifically Dr. Gundry's latest book, Gut Check. Dr. Stephen Gundry, MD, is the host of the Dr. Gundry podcast and is one of the world's top cardiothoracic surgeons and is just really a pioneer in nutrition. His full bio is in our show notes, as well as a link to his new book. We dive deep into polyphenols and mitochondrial health today. You may never think of polyphenols the same way again. And we look at the long-term commitment that is required to heal conditions like leaky gut. We'll also get into the nitty gritty of prebiotics, probiotics, and postbiotics. And we talk about the bacteria that's having its 15 minutes of fame right now, acromancia. And we also discuss Dr. Gundry's personal diet strategy and how he has been cycling his weight for 25 years. We get into so much more, including, of course, my favorite topic, longevity. So if you're ready to learn how a salad a day is key to your health and longevity, keep listening and don't forget to rate, review, and share. Hello, Dr. Stephen Gundry. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, because we've not uh, met or gotten together before. So this is I know. Great. I kind of can't believe that we actually have not met in real life before. Our paths have not fully crossed, although obviously I've read lots of your incredible work over the years and known about you, and I'm excited that our paths are finally crossing and that our listeners get to uh, learn from you today. So I'm really excited to dive into your new book, Gut Check. For those of you that are watching the video, you can see Gut Check right here, um, which just came out about uh, in the beginning of January, the beginning of this year. So really excited to dive in there. My first question for you is, why Gut Check? Why this book? I think many many people know you from lots of your works, but I think many people know you from The Plant Paradox and... I'm really, I was curious, you know, when I was reading, when I, when I dove into this, well, before I dove in, cause you, you do tell the story in here a little bit of why, why gut check, but can you tell our listeners like why gut check, why this book now? 
Well, I, I try to write a book um, almost based on the book that preceded it about what I, what I learned that makes me dive into maybe an area that I haven't looked into. But this book, in a way, could be called Plant Paradox 2.0. It's uh, The Plant Paradox was published now seven years ago, April. And it's kind of what I've learned uh, since the publication of that book. And I think uh, people maybe know that I still see patients six days a week, um, every day but Friday. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, I see patients. Wow, that's uh, incredible. And Friday, I, I'm actually at Gundry MD, uh, my supplement and food company. So, uh, why do I see patients six days a week? Because uh, almost every day I get to I get to watch a miracle happen. What I would have called a miracle, uh, watching people reverse a, a disease process that they walk through the door with, and so putting the principles of the the plant paradox into action is and watching what happens is one thing, and there's been a lot of wonderful. Uh, work done in the micro, in understanding the microbiome. We have to realize that the Human Microbiome Project actually finished in 2017, the year that the book was published. And since the Human Microbiome Project, we've realized that the the microbiome, which a lot of people just think the microbiome is in our gut, it's in our mouth, it's in our skin it's in it's in everything there's mm -hmm. a paper out just this week that our um believe it or not our semen our sperm has its own microbiome wow um we know and i write about that believe it or not uh the placenta <clears throat> has its own microbiome we know now that the fetus is not sterile. It has its own microbiome. Uh, I used the term holobiome a couple of books ago, and I still think that's the best term. But so this is just here's what I've learned. And here's uh, here's the excitement. Well, I think it's incredible because one thing, you know, I always tell people is, you know, nutrition is a young science. It's, it has not been studied for that long. Um, many things we know about, about nutrition science have changed dramatically over just even the recent couple of decades. So I love that you're you stay on top of it and then update, uh, you know, update the public after after what you learn from the research and from your patients. Um, I love to I love to do the same. I hope I do the same. I always try to update, you know, my takes on things based on the research. And I always say that you have to look at the old research and the new research. You take the good old and the good new and you put it together and then you see how that works with the individual. Right. You always have to take right. the individual into account as well. But I love how you're staying on top of that and how you do always update um, the information that you're putting out there to the public. Um, and a, a couple of things, one thing you said in the book that made me laugh, because I, I think about this all the time, is you said, you know, when you went to medical school, you learned about the digestive tract is really just this tube where, you know, then you eat some food, it goes down this long tube, and then you, you break down some carbs, fats, and protein. And that's pretty much what I learned too. When I was in school getting my master's in clinical nutrition in the 90s, the late 90s, that's all we learned too. And it's amazing how much has changed just over the past you know, two plus decades. Um, so I think there, there's been so much to learn, not just since 
the 90s, but also from when I was in school. I don't know the exact year you were in med school, but at least when I was getting my master's in nutrition, I mean, so much has changed. But even like you just said, even since 2017, so yeah. much has changed. So I love that you're continuing to um, to dive into that. And also, you just mentioned that there's the you know there's the oral microbiome, there's the skin, the skin, and you know it's not just the gut microbiome. Um, one thing that you said in the book that I thought was really fascinating is that you said that all of these biomes contain three million genes, but our the human genome only contains twenty three thousand. I mean, that's really yeah. wild when you think about it. And the other thing that you said in the book that I thought was really a fascinating quote was um, right in the beginning when you talk about that men in black quote, you say, you humans, when are you going, I'm reading this whole quote right here now, you humans, when are you going to learn that size doesn't matter? Just because something's important doesn't mean it isn't very, very small. And really to me, that was, I love that you use that quote because it really does speak to, you know, this whole part of the body that we hadn't explored for so many years. And like you said, I mean, I, I know you talk a lot about how when we heal our gut, we can heal anything really. Right. And yeah. we're learning so much about that. So let's dive, let's dive deeper in here. But yeah, I, I really love how you started the book with that. One thing I think most of our listeners here have a good understanding of, or at least some understanding of prebiotics being, you know, certain types of fiber that feed the probiotics, which also you can get for fermented from fermented foods, as well as taking probiotics, which are the good bacteria. Um, those good bacteria ferment the pro prebiotics to create these postbiotics, the short chain fatty acids that also play a particular role. And I know I, that was a real, real quick, 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 just summary of what pre pro and postbiotics are. But I do think that many listeners have a general understanding of that. I would love for you to expand on that a little bit, but also you talk a lot about how all of these microbes talk and they have this very, they have a language and they have a communication that takes place and it's how they communicate that really, really is telling of, of how we're going to function and what our health is going to be. So can you elaborate a little bit on that about how all of these microbes talk with one another? Yeah, so... You know, that's one of the things that I think is important to realize is, and I've got a chapter that uh, dead men tell no tales, but dead bacteria do. Mm. And one I like of the, that quote too. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it turns out that the, the cell wall of bacteria can be, carry information and they can actually be read, uh, almost like a blind person would read Braille, mm -hmm. uh, be read by not only other bacteria, but also by our immune system. And they carry information. I, I just took my dogs for their two-mile hike this morning, and I have a couple of male dogs. And if anyone has male dogs, uh, they find smells that we can't smell and they're fascinated by them. Mm -hmm. uh, why they're fascinated is because there is information that we can't smell, but mm -hmm. they can. And they're going, oh, you know, Fido from down the block was here and he, I, I can see he had liver for dinner last night, whatever. We can't smell it, but that doesn't mean there isn't information there. And we now know that bacteria exchange information. We, just by reading who's there, I talk about, there's a very famous keystone species called Acromonsia muscinophila, 
that fascinatingly, you can... Agromancia, by the way, is having its 15 minutes of fame right now. Ah, I think yes. It's definitely having its 15 minutes of fame. I just I just want to, in case anyone did not hear that what we're talking about is Acromancia, that um, probiotic that is very popular right now for many reasons. So yeah, let's, sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm a huge fan of Pendulum, uh, but what's interesting is you can actually show that dead Acromancia actually mm -hmm. has some very interesting properties, even though it's dead. And so living acromancy is a wonderful thing, but dead acromancy also carries interesting information. And one of the interesting things is most probiotic foods, fermented foods like yogurt or kimchi, there, even if it says active yogurt cultures, most of these bacteria don't survive digestion in the stomach. Mm -hmm. But the important thing is dead bacteria carry important information. And that's what's really exciting, that maybe we got all this wrong or we're a bit misguided that you had to have living bacteria. Right. Number, two, number two is, okay, so dead bacteria are really good for you. And what's probably more important is that these postbiotics, the products of bacterial fermentation is mm -hmm. really where the money is. And mm -hmm. that's really where I think the excitement is in the whole field of the gut and fermentation is these products that bacteria make that, that impacts almost every aspect of our health. And that's part of what gut check is all about. So dead versus alive, let's just say acromancia, are they going to affect like the, the postbiotics that come from them, from mm -hmm. them fermenting a prebiotic? Is that going to be a different byproduct? Because you're saying that the dead bacteria can still be beneficial. Is it going... Do you want, does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. That's a great question. And I've, I've actually kind of discussed this offline with the pendulum folks. Right. Is it so much that it's Acromancia that's the keystone species, or mm -hmm. is it the, the presence or the message that Acromancia is around that fosters other butyrate-producing bacteria uh, and butyrate is a short chain fatty acid that's uh, really one of the one of the key uh, ingredients in health. But do they just need to know that Acromancia is nearby? And right. it, it, oh, Acromancia is nearby. Great, uh, we can eat prebiotics and and make you know butyrate. Or is Acromancia? essential to make the mucus that protects, you know, our gut lining. And mm -hmm. I, I suspect we'll figure that out in the next few years. And, right. and that's what's, that's what's. That's fun. your next book. That's yeah. the next book. <laughs> that's going to be the, or, or at least gut check 2.0. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, but that, I mean, that's one of the things that I mean is so fascinating, right? We're learn we're learning all of this as we go, which is why I think, again, we have to take all the new information and, and put it into context with things that we already know and, and, and continue to look further. I've always thought um, or learned that our microbiome is our microbiome. It's sort of set 
it's just what we, but which, which can feel very disempowering to people. Right, right. It can feel very much like, well, so what's the point of eating all these high fiber and fermented foods if I can't do anything? But what I, what I've always thought or learned is that it's our microbiome is there, but what we can do is change what our microbiome are their actions. So like we have the same soldiers down there in, or not down there all over our bodies. We have the same soldiers, but what they can do and how they can perform will change based on our diets and then other things like stress and sleep and, and, you know, taking a probiotic, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, do you agree with that or is that correct? Yeah. Um, uh, in the plant paradox, I actually showed some research that uh, you change your diet for three days and you can dramatically change your microbiome profile just in three days. Right. I, I believe it or not, I have never ordered personally a microbiome profile of any one of my patients. Now, if they want one, they can go get one, but it literally gives you a snapshot of that day. Right. So, so why, why am I encourage well there's a couple of things that i write about in gut check number one in the reason we have a, a tennis court surface area in the in the lining of our gut and it literally is this the same surface area as a tennis court inside of us is we have all these villi and microvilli we literally have a shag carpet mm -hmm. um, lining our gut and Having been a general surgeon uh, before I was a heart surgeon, I can assure you that there is a shag carpet on the inside of our gut. Uh, I used to look at it. And at the base of this shag carpet are what are called crypts. Mm -hmm. And in those crypts, uh, there are two unique features. Number one, there is a collection of keystone bacteria that are sitting down there and lining those crypts are stem cells okay and what i think i hope is and what i've seen in my patients is that you can coax those keystone bacteria that are hiding down there they're not out in the lumen uh i like to think of it and let's suppose we live in a neighborhood with a bunch of gang shootings and gang members mm -hmm everybody kind of hides in their house and you really don't want to step outside because you might right. be shot. Uh, I think when we have a bunch of bad bacteria that these keystone guys hide and okay. you, can Got it. you can coax right. them out literally by showing them that the coast is clear and by showing, giving them the yeah. things they want to eat. So I like that analogy better than, than what I was saying, but I guess it is the same thing. Like you can change the way your whole microbiome is performing. And I, yeah. and I think, but I, I like the way you're, yeah, I like, I like that analogy a lot. I think that's really clear the way you explain that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's clear that if you, if you do look at people's microbiome, a lot of people have um, what would appear to be uh, really lousy microbiomes. And certainly the, the Sonnenberg, the husband and wife team at Stanford have demonstrated that most of Western society basically has a, a desert for a microbiome. Uh, we've, we've been decimated compared mm -hmm. to, for instance, hunter-gatherers. And uh, they're very 
pessimistic <clears throat> that we can even affect that desert. I'm less pessimistic. Uh, I think their research looking at the use of prebiotic fiber isn't all that great in terms mm -hmm. of changing the microbiome, but the combination of prebiotic fiber and <clears throat> postbiotic fermented right. foods is, is the key. And right. I, I've spent a lot of time in the book trying to convince yeah. people that well, you go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. I was going to say, it, I mean, it, that, that makes sense. It's never going to be just one thing. I mean, someone that has a poor immune system, it's not just going to be, oh, have more vitamin C. There's a lot of other things at play, Re you know, reduce your stress, get more sleep. You know, I mean, there's so many other things, um, even exercise, right? I mean, there's other things at play. So I think it's the same, it's the same thing here. Even if that the research on the prebiotic fibers might not be as strong, there's, it's not just prebiotic fiber, improve your microbiome. It's the prebiotic fiber, reduce your stress, add in polyphenols, which I want to talk to you about next, add in, you know, um, get more sleep. Um, ex I mean, there's, there are so many other, other factors at play which is um, why I'm happy you address a lot of those other a lot of those other factors because I do I think together all of those things can make a big difference and I, I talk to about people that when I'm talking about changing their diet they say oh well I added you know I took this out or I added this one thing in I don't feel different yet and I said that's one tiny little change that you need to do consistency in conjunction with many other little tiny changes right but that one little thing on its own is, you know, has to be done consistently, but with many other little changes. And that's why you build on all of them, but it's not just going to be this one thing. So anyway, I like how you talk about that. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I've learned when, when, when I got into this over, over 20 years ago now, I really thought that you could um, change, for instance, leaky gut in a matter of weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, change the microbiome in a matter of, you know, for the good uh, in a matter of weeks. And now that we're able to measure, for instance, leaky gut, uh, it takes the average person, uh, and I published this, uh, nine months to a year right. to, see, to seal their leaky gut. And let make sure all the listeners realize leaky gut is not pseudoscience. Um, yeah. it's, it's been well documented by probably the father of all this is Alessio Fasano, who's now at Harvard, a pediatric gastroenterologist. But this is measurable and we can, mm -hmm. we can measure it and we can actually watch leaky gut seal, but it, it takes a while. So you're right. A lot of people go, well, I you know, changed this in my diet or I've been having sauerkraut for the last week and I really don't feel any different. Well, just, Stay the course, give it time. Right. Um, and I, people get impatient and they yeah. want and they want quick fixes. And and when I I mean, I think at least when it comes to gut health, right, like you said that you wrote about in the plant paradox that you can see a difference in three days, you could see a difference, but to completely heal yourself and change and especially from something like a leaky gut, it's not gonna happen that fast. It's gonna take time and consistency. Like anything, right. like anything else with health, yeah. it's, you know, you have to be consistent, right? And and so, I mean, that's part of that's part of my job, right? Is to help people to do things in a way that it's easy to be consistent because it doesn't feel that dramatic. But the b being consistent over time leads to these big effects and results. Correct, and so, and it's worth it. I mean, it's, it's worth it. Absolutely, it, it really is. Um, but it does take time.
Absolutely. So I want to talk about polyphenols because I'm a big antioxidant fan. I wrote a book actually on antioxidants in 2010. I can't believe it. See, I, I, see I've been doing this a long time too, Dr. Gundry. <laughs> um, I, was with, I, I was with you there learning that our GI tract was just one tube. <laughs> pretty much. Anyway, so, but I talk a lot about polyphenols and antioxidants in, in this book, that I, the O2 diet that I wrote in 2010. And I always talk about antioxidants as certain compounds acting as antioxidants, right? And they, and they they acted as antioxidants in a few different ways. They either quenched the single oxygen molecule and destroyed them. They helped what I called that homeless oxygen molecule to bind with others and to be more stable, or they prevented the breakdown of the molecule in the first place, or they encouraged the body to create more antioxidants. But you look, you, when you talked about polyphenols, you talked about them not really being antioxidants because they're not helping repair, they're, they're helping prevent, which I sort of, I guess, put into that category of antioxidants, but I know we look at them a little bit different, but I'm actually, I was really um, curious to hear more about your thoughts on polyphenols and how they differ from being a traditional antioxidant and mitochondrial coupling is what you talk about. Uncoupling, uncoupling. Uncoupling. Very good. Uncoupling. And I want to talk about that and just and where we can get our polyphenols. I used to every year uh, attend and, and give a, a paper. Believe it or not, there's a international polyphenol conference that happens mm. every year. And I can't believe I haven't been. Yeah. Oh, no. It's well <laughs> worth attending. Uh, so the, the organizer is a, a professor from Paris, uh, uh, Marvin Edis, and a number of years ago, the, the meeting was in Lisbon, Portugal, mm -hmm. and he started the meeting, and there were you know, 500 people in the audience, and he, he opened the meeting, he said, any one of you who thinks that polyphenols are antioxidants may leave the room now, <laughs> because I do not have the time to educate you about how wrong you are, and I'm going, what? And right, right. so we've actually become friends. And he's right. They are not antioxidants. Uh, there are only two antioxidants in mitochondria, and that is glutathione and melatonin, which I've written about. Right. Uh, so what the heck are they? I want to take a moment to tell you about our podcast sponsor, which I'm a super fan of. In today's fast-paced go-go-go world, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and lose focus, especially when you're trying to accomplish critical tasks that require a sharp mind. If you're looking for a way to support your brain health and stay on top of your game, if you know me at all, you know I'm always looking to do that. Well then, you want to know about Cognizant Citicoline. This nutrient helps support brain function and it plays a vital role in nourishing and protecting brain cells. Cognizant Citicoline can help support focus, memory, and attention, promote cognitive performance, and support overall brain health. It's also known for its ability to support brain energy and is backed by numerous studies that show its effectiveness. Whether you're a student, a busy professional, a multitasking parent, or anyone looking to optimize mental clarity and sharpness, adding Cognizant Citicoline to your daily routine can help you achieve those goals and support your brain for the future. It can be found in many different products, including chewables, gummies, beverages, and even cold brew coffee. Visit Cognizant.com for exactly where to find this ingredient, and don't forget to look for Cognizant on the label. 
There are only two antioxidants in mitochondria, and that is glutathione and melatonin, which I've written about. Right. Uh, so what the heck are they? Well, these are compounds that plants make to prevent damage to their mitochondria, which are called chloroplasts. And just like oxygen damages our mitochondria, just mm -hmm. in the ways that you've talked about, talked about, yep. sunlight is damaging to plant mitochondria. It can't live with it, can't live without it. And right. so polyphenols were used by the plant to, believe it or not, uncouple their mitochondria, and we'll get into that in a second, to protect themselves from sunlight, from mm -hmm. uh, harsh conditions, from insect predation, mm -hmm. by repairing, simplistically making their mitochondria work less hard and repairing their mitochondria. And those polyphenols are all the pretty colors we see in the fall. You're in New York City or New York. Yeah. And so you get to see the plant polyphenols uh, every fall. Now, you didn't see them during the summer because the green chlorophyll covered them up. But there they are. Now, when we originally, the original work in polyphenols were, were kind of in cell culture. And they seem to have very interesting activities. Resveratrol was the darling of the polyphenols. And there was a feeling that polyphenols worked by being bad for you. And the, it was a hormesis concept. That which doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Mm -hmm. And because in a Petri dish, you there was a spot where, let's just take resveratrol. Resveratrol would be very good for you up to a point, and then it seemed to be bad for you. And, and that persisted for a very long time until the mechanism of how polyphenols were used in animals. And it turns out that polyphenols are actually a prebiotic that bacteria just think is the best thing since sliced bread, poor analogy, but uh, they love these things and they need these polyphenols. So what they do though, is they then make those polyphenols into bioavailable compounds, absorbable compounds. Mm -hmm. And what those polyphenols do is they basically uncouple our mitochondria. And in the process of telling mitochondria to not work so hard, okay, they also tell mitochondria to make more of themselves, mitogenesis. And I go into that extensively in the energy paradox, but Right. So and, that, and that's why we think of polyphenols as being essential for longevity, right? Correct. Exactly. It turns out that, strangely enough, the more uncoupled mitochondria you have, the longer you live and the longer you live well. Um, and just a fun fact, there's one of the theories of aging that's very popular is the cost of living hypothesis. And that is, if you have a really high metabolic rate, you're not going to live very long. If you have a real slow metabolic rate, you're going to live very long. And big animals have a slow metabolic rate, and mm. we live a long time. Little bitty animals have a fast metabolic rate, and they don't live very long. 
Sounds good. The problem with that theory is birds. Uh, birds in general are very small and have a very high metabolic rate, and they actually live a very long time. Mm -hmm. A parrot can live 80 to 100 years. A hummingbird in captivity can live 12 to 14 years, even though its heart beats at 1,100 beats per minute. They, it turns out, have the most uncoupled mitochondria of, of any mammal. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, uh, so what's really cool, and one really great example that it's getting a lot of attention is urolithin A. Yeah. So urolithin A is made, if we're lucky, if we're lucky to have about four different species of bacteria, they can take the precursors uh, in raspberries, walnuts, pomegranates, uh, agallic acid, uh, gallotannins, which are polyphenols, right. and build them into this really cool mitochondrial uncoupler and mitophagy stimulator, urolithin A. And that's a wonderful compound. Unfortunately, most of us, 17 to 20% of us, have the right combination of bacteria to do that. But what's really cool is that super old people late 90s, early 100s, 50 to 70% of them have the right combination to make your A. And you go, hmm, isn't that interesting? And again, that gets back to if we, if we had a wonderful, diverse microbiome, and then we ate these polyps. Right. So they, so older people have that because they have the diversity in their, in their gut as they've lived longer. They're not, they're just not necessarily going that next step and uncoupling the mitochondria, but they have the proper fuel per se. To do to that. Do the work. And right. that's why they're so old and healthy. Wow. Yeah. Well, it, it, I actually, I started taking urolithin A this year. Um, or about about a year ago, actually, um, I started taking it, and I know that's a, that's another one like acromancia that's been getting a lot of attention lately in in the world of nutrition and wellness for sure, and, uh, and so much yeah, as you're just talking about, so much interesting research there. Yeah, and again, it it you know uh, I've, I've had the chief science officer from Timeline Nutrition on my podcast, yeah. and also actually the the president of the company, CEO, mm -hmm. CEO of the company. I'm that impressed with it. Right. And it has, again, it, it works not as an antioxidant. I think that's really what people should realize. It, it works directly on mitochondrial function. Right. And if you like the mitochondrial dysfunction theory of aging, which I like a lot, mm -hmm. then anything you can do to, you know, protect your mitochondria, repair your mitochondria, make more mitochondria seems to be a really good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this whole idea of this mitochondrial health and longevity also um, has become, you know, a really a good conversation. Like, you know, I was saying how we were talking about antioxidants and I said, I think the conversation used to be antioxidants and what they do for, for being anti-inflammatory um, and prevention and preventing neuronal degeneration, et cetera, et cetera. I think the conversation really has shifted towards this overall mitochondrial health. So aside from getting your um, prebiotics, 
uh, specifically getting your polyphenols, getting in your fermented foods, taking a probiotic. What else can we do for our mitochondrial health? I mean, I always think of things like managing your sleep and stress, which are other pillars of a nutritious life, but anything else specific there that you want to share that you think is of utmost importance for uncoupling your mitochondria? Yeah, I think, um, so for instance, um, believe it or not, cold plunges work mm -hmm. by uncoupling your mitochondria, saunas work by uncoupling your mitochondria. What has been fascinating to, to me that I've written about, and we're beginning to realize more and more that this is true, uh, mitochondria, uh, I think most people now know, are engulfed bacteria. They carry their own DNA, and they have a circular DNA that bacteria have. And we think that two billion years ago, uh, pre-eukaryotic pre pre cells engulfed bacteria. And the bacteria made a deal that said, basically, hey, if you don't eat me, tell you what, I'll make a lot of ATP for you. Uh, as long as you feed me what I want and, you know, keep me from harm. And obviously it was a deal. What's, <laughs> what's fascinating is that these mitochondria have never lost their bacterial identity. In fact, the cell membrane of mitochondria are viewed uh, when, if they are extracellular as bacteria by our immune system. And, um, written about that and I won't bore you, but. Not our, a bore at all. We love it. We love right. it all. <laughs> Women hopefully know that we get all of our mitochondrial DNA from our mothers. Uh, dads do not give mitochondrial DNA. So mm -hmm. you are the provider of mitochondria. What's also true is that most of us got our microbiome from our mother. Uh, as I told Maria Shriver on her podcast, mom took a crap on us. And <laughs> well, by the way, that, that, I like that. I like that. And I'm also going to say you're bringing up a very tough subject for me that I, because I had two C-sections and I did not oh, want them. Yeah. I did not want them, but that is my biggest mother guilt is that yeah. I did have C-sections and I did not get to give my children that mito. My, my microbiome boost at um, that bacterial boost at the time of their birth. So I have a lot of guilt about that, but let's, we can continue. You know, and in fact, I write a prescription for my pregnant female patients who are, you know, going to have to have this a, mm -hmm. a C-section for them to make sure their uh, obstetrician takes vaginal swabs mm -hmm. and rubs it all over their the baby's mouth and face and, I've had one uh, say that is crazy, that's voodoo. And literally this, uh, this particular patient went and found another obstetrician. Who no, I, I think that's so smart. And I, I absolutely love that you recommend that. I think that's 
brilliant and amazing. And I wish I knew more at the time. I mean, my, right. kids, nobody my kids are 20 and 17. Yeah, nobody. I didn't That's know more at the time, but it, it does. I, I think about it. I, I do think about it all the time or maybe not yeah, all so, the time. I don't have the guilt, but I do have it from time to time. But what's so fascinating <laughs> is, so the maternal microbiome mm -hmm. is literally sisters, I, I kid you not, with the maternal mitochondria that you have. And these sisters, and I have two daughters, uh, talk to each other. And we now know, with every year, we're actually learning the language of how mm -hmm. this communication and the, this communication are, are postbiotics. They're like short-chain fatty acids, but they're also gases. They're gasotransmitters, they're gasomessengers. And so the microbiome talks mm -hmm. to their sisters. And what I think is fascinating is people with C-section have a microbiome that's basically skin flora based, as you probably know, and they don't have the same communication right. that we have. Um, and it's, you know, it, it still, to most people, it sounds voodoo and, you know, it's, it's like, oh, come on, really? This is a very, very, we're a complex symbiotic organism. And mm -hmm. if, if anybody takes anything from gut check, most of what's going to happen to us is, is from this interaction between our microbiome and our gut wall and our immune system and our mitochondria. And the more we can facilitate that normal, healthy interaction, the healthier we'll be, the longer our health span, and probably our lifespan. But most of us don't want to live forever. Um, there's a joke, the only person who wants to live to be 100 is a 99-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we definitely want to, I, I, I want to go that far. I want to go that long for sure. But I also want to make sure that, yeah, the health span, health span. the health right. span is there most important. Um, but on that note <laughs> of that communication that you're talking about, what would you say? And I know you have so much of this in the book and everyone has to go and buy the book and read this whole book. It's, there's so much incredible information in there, but what would you say are the top three things that someone could do every day that they could put into action right away to improve that communication? Well, I think, uh, again, the, the Sonnenberg's experiment with humans, uh, which I, I, I've talked about in Gut Check and previous books, I think is really uh, important to realize. So they took a bunch of humans and they gave them a bunch of prebiotic fiber. In this okay. case, it was inulin, and I like inulin a lot. Yeah. Uh, they gave them a bunch of prebiotic fiber and they looked at markers of inflammation like C-reactive protein and they looked at their gut microbiome diversity. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, they really didn't see any changes. And they're going, what the heck, you know, and gave them what they want to eat. So then they took a second group and they gave them the same prebiotic fiber, but they gave them fermented foods. In, in this mm -hmm. case, it was mostly yogurts and kefirs, but Believe it or not, vinegar is a fermented food. Right. Uh, believe it or not, coffee is a fermented food. Happy Days cacao powder is a fermented food. Mm -hmm. Green black tea is a fermented food. Pu'er tea is a fermented food. And so the combination of the prebiotic fiber and the fermented foods 
their gut microbiome diversity increased and their inflammatory markers decreased. Right. And so that you gotta, you gotta kind of prime the pump, if you will. Um, well, and that's like what we were talking about before, that it's not just one thing. You can't just correct. do this one thing. You have to, you can't just add fiber to your diet. You have to add a, a diversity of different types of fibers, including prebiotic fibers and have the fermented foods for their benefits and right. do these other things. It's not just one thing. So exactly. uh, I like that example. The other, uh, most, some people know that actually I, I am the father of the fake Coke of balsamic vinegar in sparkling water. Okay. <laughs> I, I wrote about it in my, in my first book many, many years ago. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So the, what an easy way, put some balsamic vinegar in San Pellegrino or sparkling water, put some apple cider vinegar in San Pellegrino or, or sparkling cider. It's and put vinegars, you know, have a salad every day. I was going to uh, say, why not just put it on your salads where you're getting the, all yeah, the different antioxidants and, and the, the olive oil filling and, you up and the right exactly. Yeah, and you know, do that every day. And if you want inulin, use uh, vegetables like radicchio, like any of the uh, inulin-containing foods. Asparagus has yep. a lot of inulin. Um, Hearts of palm has some inulin. Uh, artichoke. Uh, has inulin. So all the chicory family has inulin. So when I'm in the south of France and Italy, almost every salad I've ever had has chicory family vegetables. And you go, how come that's, where's the lettuce? And you're you're eating inulin with vinegar and olive oil. And wow, what smart people, right? Exactly. Exactly. No wonder they live so long and happy and happy and healthily. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So uh, on the on the food topic, I actually want to ask you about a couple of things that you write about in in the book, a couple specific groups of food. You talk about getting fermented meats in your diet. And I know, first of all, people are going to (laughs) say fermented meats like sausage. What? I thought that's terrible for me. So uh, I, I want you to share why you recommend fermented meats and then also well, what about the nitrites and nitrates? Great question. So the believe it or not, the country with the longest um, lifespan is a tiny country between Spain and France called Andorra. Mm-hmm. They, uh, their uh, lifespan is about 90 years. It's the longest in the world. And what's interesting about them is that they are primarily sheep herders and they uh, eat sausages uh, every day. Uh, In fact, uh, the highest longevity in France is literally right across the the border in Toulouse. Uh, And Toulouse is infamous or famous for their sausages. And you go, well, why would, you know, sausage is bad for you, for goodness right. sakes. Well, traditional sausages uh, are fermented, and that's how they are cured. Uh, and in the process of fermentation, uh, a really nasty sugar molecule in beef, lamb, and pork, and milk called NU5GC is eaten by bacteria, so it's not around. But in the process of fermentation, you make these incredible mitochondrial and coupling compounds called polyamines. And polyamines like spermidine, you can guess where 
that name came from and where it's found. Uh, but spermidine and putrescine are really great mitochondrial couplers. So here's this country of sheep herders who are eating a lot of sheep yogurt, and a lot of sheep cheese, which also has polyamines, and it's a fermented food. And sheep, 30% of the uh, fats in sheep uh, and goat is medium chain triglycerides, MCTs. Mm -hmm. which are converted into ketones, which are mitochondrial couplers. So here's this country that <laughs> exemplifies all the really cool things you can get from ferment, fermenting meats. Now, that's totally different than what we make here in the United States. Yeah, Let's be exactly. clear. Exactly. Totally different. But interestingly <laughs> enough, yeah. we now know that these fermented foods also have a back, very interesting bacterial colony. For instance, fun fact, prosciutto is a fermented food, and prosciutto has its own bacterial colonies that have been shown to improve health. Fun fact. So, and you look at, I always tried to figure out why these long-lived people happen to be eating charcuterie, and it's because of this fermentation process. So, no, that does not say go eat some bacon and salami right. from right. Costco. Don't do exactly. that. Okay? Well, and I also tell people that people are eating, it's a different, it's a definite different quality of these types of meats. Oh, absolutely. One. And aside from that, not only is it a different quality of these types of meats that you're talking about, these people are eating, you know, in these, in these areas that you mentioned, then, you know, then someone here in, you know, middle America getting it from a Costco, it's a very different quality, but also that person's whole diet is very different. They're not getting, because even if that person here in, in the US was getting that high quality meat from that place in Italy, they might still be eating it in the afternoon after having a Pop-Tart for breakfast. And that's a very different big picture of a diet, right? So we have to always remember that, but it is really fascinating to look at when you're eating these types of foods, like these fermented meats in their whole pure forms, the way they should be eaten in conjunction with this healthy whole food diet, there are so many interesting benefits to them. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, and a lot of the reason I, I go over to particularly Europe, but also to Asia, is to, is to visit these towns and areas and figure out, okay, you know, what are these? people eating? Why are they eating it? And most of them, luckily, they, they value their elders, the, the people who are in their late 90s, early 100s, actually are, are honored. And a lot of them, you know, and there have been books written about this, actually kind of stick around for the purpose of passing on this ancient wisdom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, they're 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 in the town square and people come up and you know and talk to them and honor them etc cetera, etc cetera. and we've lost all that we've, yeah. we and we've lost these old wives tales yeah. um there's usually a basis to an old wives tale right yeah. Yeah. what's your favorite sweetener i know you mentioned a couple in the book yeah yeah my favorite is, is actually allulose non-gmo allulose uh in fact it's become such a favor that I even make it at Gundry MD. Um, Allulose is really cool. It's a true sugar. 
It's a rare sugar. Yeah. It has no calories, number one. It was first discovered in, in figs. And what's yeah. really cool, it was the first sweetener that was approved as a prebiotic by the FDA, which is kind of cool. Yep. And it has some unique properties. It will actually lower your blood sugar. I put it in my black coffee, not to sweeten it, but to actually aid in keeping the blood sugar spike that coffee usually does and feed my gut bacteria at the same time. So it's a win-win for me. I love it. I've actually tried allulose in, in uh, gummy candy, um, uh -huh. but yet they, they, I know they're just kind of getting out there into some of these little candies. And I actually, found it, it, I like the taste of it too, because many of these non-nutritive sweeteners, I don't like the taste. I actually like the taste of that too. Okay. Last question for you, which I ask all of my guests, um, living a nutritious life is all about how all of these eight pillars of a nutritious life from sleep to stress to what you eat all work together. And I love to ask all of my guests, what do you do on a daily basis to sort of get those pillars of a nu nutritious life in motion? Oh, my. Well, um, from January through June of every year, and I think this is my 25th year, I do not eat breakfast. I do not eat lunch. And I eat all my calories in a two-hour window from 5 to 7 o'clock at night. Okay. Uh, and I, it's, you know, it's the OMAD diet. And, okay. Uh, why do I do that? Because I... Uh, have studied ancient humans as part of my research going back to college. And we cycled with seasons and the winter time was for most of us a time of less food. And the summertime was a time of lots of foods, uh, particularly fruits. And so I actually, believe it or not, purposely gain about 10 to 15 pounds every summer and fall. And then I purposely take it off every winter and spring. So I cycle now. Is that crazy? Eh, maybe. And, but I've been doing it for 25 years. And it works for it you. Works it for works for, me. for you. So there you go. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Um, everyone, go check out Dr. Steve Gundry's new book, Gut Check. We'll also have lots of information in the show notes on that, but definitely go check it out. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, this was great chatting with you. Really, really appreciate your time and excited um, for everyone to go get this book. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Great talking with you.